Welcome everybody to True Exact Show. I'm here with Brian, Eric, and uh, Dan, who wears a suit. He's the best dressed man in the DC land. We I like, like that. that. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I like that. And we're here today with our special guest, uh, DJ, producer, engineer, Neff. How you doing, man? I'm doing great, man. Doing great. Life is busy. Life is beautiful. Now, we want to thank you for joining us. Uh, thank you for having me. Absolutely. We met like a week or two ago and, uh, you know, got contacts. Very interesting dude. Great producer, by the way. Big fans. So Thank before you. we get in the, you know, the past and stuff, let's start about, let's start with you and your upbringing, how you got into music in general. How I got, I mean, getting into music. So like, I think my story is a little different than a lot of people in my industry, especially like, you know, when I talk about, talk with people, my crew and stuff about like oh they were you know 10 years old listening to you know public enemy and all this kind of stuff you know i grew up listening to like the beatles and Jimi hendrix and like donovan and like cat stevens and i that was what my parents grew up well like what they listened to and i actually you know was one of the i guess rare kids that liked what my parents listened to and i listened to that for a while i went to a you know i was listening to punk rock alternative i kind of listened to everything i they had you know classical music on um and then you know i think it was napster came out mm. and like i went on my sister's computer or like the computer she was using at that time and i found like born hill uh, i found the chronic 2001 i found eminem stuff like that and i was like what the fuck is this this is crazy and I gravitated it, gravitated towards that, but I grew up in a small town where it was like, that was super rare for that to happen. Um, you know, just listening to hip hop. It just wasn't a big thing in my town. You're on New Hampshire, right? Yeah. So I grew up at that point in time. I was living right on the border. I was in Maine and I, you know, there was nothing really going on in that town. So I was always in New Hampshire and um, it was just, you know, a lot of back and forth. Uh, so yeah, small town type of deal and um you know then i started working in kitchens when i was 14 and that's when i guess it really took off you know being around older people uh in the kitchen playing uh ready to die every day like we would literally close the kitchen down go smoke a couple bowls and then put ready to die on and just zone out and clean the kitchen and were that you was one, like were you one of those dudes who like was like Hey guys, could we like you know play a little Beatles tonight and a Hard Day's Night? And they're like, "Yeah, right, kid." Take nah, <laughs> nah. I mean, like I listened to everything and I love that shit. Right, right. Yeah, me too. I yeah. heard it. I heard it, and I was like, "Whoa!" My mind was blown. Like my whole world changed. Um, I remember like going into my weed dealer's crib for the first <laughs> time when I was like fourteen. And he had, I don't know if you guys even know who Cage is or DJ Yeah, Shadow. yeah, yeah. Yeah, Cage. So he had, like, Cage's last cool album, Hell's Winter, on, and it was a DJ Shadow beat, and he just got a new. So literally he was, he was cleaning his new AK-47 huh. while bumping his new, uh, his new system, and I walked in just like, what is happening right now? <laughs> what the fuck? In a rap video. <laughs> yeah, I was like, I've never seen a gun before. And like, we walk in, and I'm, I'm hearing this, and it's just like blasting like crazy. And then at that point, I, those guys I was hanging around with, they started, like, I feel like, yeah, Biggie was the first thing that I really fell in love with. And then they were playing, like, 
everything Def Jux and like LP and ideal and abilities and like a bunch of just like super nerdy rap stuff that that's what and that's what I started listening to. Let me, let me ask you this real quick. Um, now you said the first the first kind of rap you heard was Biggie. What specifically about Biggie was the thing that really made you be like, holy shit, this shit is crazy? Because the only reason I ask is because that was like some of the first rap that I ever heard. Yeah. Like I had a babysitter and when she would take us to McDonald's, she would always have Biggie on. And I was like, because you know, like my parents would always listen to like classic rock and stuff like that, like the Beatles and all that stuff. And yeah. the music you, you hear and you're like, oh, okay, this is music. And then you get this guy on saying all this shit and like in a different way to like beats and it's bumping in a car and you're like what the fuck i mean for me he like sounded like he didn't give a fuck mm. like he was just like yo like i think i'm cool i don't give a fuck and you know he was like all right cool like all the rock stuff and everything they were talking about like doing drugs in a weird secretive way right but like at that point he was just like oh smoking blunts and i'm like i'm i'm hooking up with chicks and i'm doing this and i'm doing that yeah. like I don't Ten care. Crack commandments. Ten yeah. crack commandments. Like, <laughs> give me the loop, bro. I thought that was so yeah. badass. Like, so you, you were more, like, you like the directness of it rather than, like, Lucy in the Sky with Diamonds. Where, yeah, like, exactly. Yeah, where I was like, like it's a concept. Yeah. yeah. That's pretty was, cool. Actually. He was open about it, and he was just like, yeah, this is who I am. And I just... That, I just have to throw out there because I know you're a fan of old music. I'm a huge Air Supply fan, which has been said uh, on this show. No, I no one. Never was. <laughs> like, it was like a gap that my parents. It was like no Air Supply. I don't even think any like Queen. You know what? Was, I, I, Pink I, Floyd is like never spoken about. <laughs> I've said Air Supply like three times on this show, and I get the same reaction. I'm just waiting for that one person. Who's like, I love them too. I can't think of any tunes. I'll sing. I'll there sing are them. people. There are people. I'll sing one when they're when we're done. Um, we're done recording. I, there's great. always someone like that. Yeah. A, like you're like, oh, I like this, and none of your friends fuck with it. So you do you think though, with uh, you going into like making beats and stuff, your experience with all types of music helped out? Oh, for sure, for sure. I like. I don't even know if I can do it. But like all this, like all, all like my vinyl, this is like a short collection. I got rid of a lot when I moved to New York and then I got rid of even more. But like, you don't see any hip hop in there. I had hip hop, but like the stuff that I like to keep is just like, it's different. I don't know. I mean, I think we were talking about it too. And I hate like, because it, you know, what's going on in the world. But um, there was this producer um, the other day and he was in the studio and he was like, yo, I, I feel like I can, I know what type of person or what race it like that person is by the type, like by me hearing their beats okay. and like what they listen to. And I, and you know, I don't know if that's true, but he like, he could tell it was mine. Like he could tell I was like a nerdy white kid pretty much. I'm like, all right, cool. But that shows me that like my upbringing and like what I listen to is obviously different than other people. You know what I mean? And I think I go for a lot more abstract stuff. When I first started making beats, I was like, I only, I'm only going to do soul and jazz. And now, you know, I got comfortable and it's like, I do a lot of prog rock and like weird German or like French or Italian music. Right. Cool. So, I saw uh, Dan's face light up. So I'll throw no, it. No, no. So like, what's like one of like your like favorite ones to like sample from? Like what's like a beat that like no one would expect that you like to like use? 
Oh, that's – I get lost when I sample. I just have so much. I would say – I mean, Russian, definitely, because you would never think – the way that I flip it, Ru- Russian and Japanese music, a lot. Mm-hmm. I'll do. Yeah, yeah. And, and that's how a lot of, like, new vinyl, or is that, like, old vinyl that you just find, like – Literally – well, so that's the vinyl I started with and what I have, but, like, lately I've been doing a lot of digital digging, to be mm-hmm. honest. Um, and I'll just get a shit ton of music and I'm just like, I have like a bunch of different subfolders and I'll just categorize it and go through it and just kind of zone out through the day. And I get like a lot of like, a lot of library music too, which is not, you know, not like reading library. It's just like, I don't even know why they call it library music to be honest. <laughs> I'm not really sure, but it's just like weird atmospheric music and like stuff that could be played in in the background of a movie. Shit like, is that. It like 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 a lo-fi almost or yeah 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 I could I could I could say that like if you sampled it you would turn it into lo-fi. It's okay. like what like what uh, where a lot of lo-fi comes from. Okay. Yeah. Where do you, where do you Dan, come Dan, across think... these new like these new beats like Japanese music? Like where do you do you go on Spotify or? Nah, I mean I know like a couple. There's a couple dudes out there that dig. They just like you know. There's a club that I'm in. I'm not gonna mention it so no one blows my stop, spot up. But there's a there's been a, a producer club. Actually, you know what? Fuck it. Yeah. <laughs> Whatever. Hopefully this dude like gets gets some money from it. Is uh. Exclusive. Yeah vinyl frontier and it's like he i found him from youtube because i was just finding more stuff on youtube and um you know you pay and then he has his he gets you with the youtube and then he has like a 30 dollar a month or whatever and you end up getting emails and like you get a passcode to his website and i get like 250 to 300 albums a month wow. just from that Man, shit yeah and you're, you know i used to spend i used to spend you know, 200 a day hmm. in one day just on, on vinyl and I get, you know, maybe 10 samples or something. It has to be impossible to keep up with that too. Like, do you, there's oh, not enough time yeah, to get no, it, right? No, 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 There's not, there's not. There's definitely not. And like since, just with like, I've had a lot of life stuff happen and like, I think I'm still on like February. I have like the other months downloaded, but like I, I just keep downloading them to have them, and then I just go through them at my leisure. <clears throat> now, could you yeah. take could you take us through like uh, a simplified version of like the technical process of sampling to creating a beat? So, like, let's say you pick a record, you find something you like. What's the next steps after that? I mean, for me, I feel like either you have this already in your head or you have to train yourself or a little bit of both, but just like while you're listening of like being able to like fast forward and like create while you're listening and like, I'll listen, I'll listen to stuff. And within a couple seconds, maybe the first, sometimes the first note, I'll hear something. I'm like, no, not even going to fuck with this entire album. Mm. Or I'll be like, you know what? Maybe I should fast forward through it. But like before, I used to listen to like, I would skim through the entire track, every single thing. I would skim through the entire track. And now, over time, I'm just like, I know if I'm going to like it or not. Especially like with the style that I've cultivated over time. Um, and I'll be able to be like, all right, cool. Uh, I'm going to loop that. Nah, I'm, I'm going to chop it up. Uh, nah, you know what? I, I'm. This is a maybe. I'll put aside. I do a lot of maybes. I'll put them aside because the way that I do it for me is I don't like to dig and create on the spot. I like to, 
I like to separate everything. So I'll, I'll like spend a couple hours or a whole day of just digging and just making it because when I, when I go make beats, I want it to be as easy of a process as possible. Mm -hmm. So I can just make as much and I don't want to get out of that creative zone. And for me, it's like kind of two, it's almost two different parts of my brain where like one is like, like ten, very technical of trying to find the sample mm -hmm. and making the beats is more like blacking out and just like going going with it and just like letting it happen naturally i stopped forcing i stopped forcing my sound a lot uh, maybe like three years ago four years ago and i just find it uh, i make better beats when i don't force it so i mm -hmm. use that part of when i'm listening listening to beats and i'm listening to samples and i'll just go all right cool i already like i'm already making the beat in my head Pretty much. Yes. I'm like, all right, cool. I can I can use that later. I'm already made the beat. Mm -hmm. I already know what kind of snare I want to use, what style of beat it's going to be. And it's just like an instant thing. That wasn't an overnight thing, though. There was yeah. a lot of trial and error. And then I just started listening to, you know, listening to music in a different way. During the process, too, do you, like, know, like, what, like, artists you would want? Like, like you work with Ren a lot. Mm -hmm. So, like, do you know, like, oh, like, yeah. this would be good for him or sometimes sometimes um and i even do like uh, you know it's not like the main thing but i do like in the back i do like the tight beats on youtube and shit like that just to create you know extra income you gotta do everything but um that's something it's not hard for me too but like i also i don't know, I, have, I have like a different mentality lately before i used to be like oh my god these are my best beats i have to stash them aside i know exactly who i want to give them to someday and now I'm like, bro, if you have that mentality, you're never going to make a better beat right. than the one that you just made. Right. Like, you're never going to get past that. You're going to stay in that fucking pocket again. I mean, and it's not going to happen again. Mm -hmm. So now, you know, you'd be like, oh, what's your best beats? I'd be like, the best, best, the last batch I made. Because that's the mentality I have to make. Um, you know, if I go through my beats after I've made them, I can be like, all right. Yo, this dude would sound dope on that. That dude would sound dope on this. Mm -hmm. um, and another thing, too, is, like, I tr I've i tried to, and I think a lot of people, and I think it's a good thing, too, when you're sending beats to somebody, they like, oh, I think they'd like these. But I've also, in times, realized, yo, I'm not going to play this beat for this person. And I'll skip over it, and they're like, yo, what the fuck was that? <laughs> and they just skipped over 10 other beats I thought they would like, but the one I didn't wasn't really fucking with, they killed it you know what i mean right. so it's like sometimes it's up to the producer and sometimes you have to like take your pride out of it and just like let them do what they want to do i want to ask um touch on what dan said so you got guys like in your mind you want to rap on a beat how annoying is it though when let's say all right you obviously have a certain style oh you have a certain style you want on the beat and you let's say even though you make money you sell it to someone and they'll like send, let's say I made a song to one of your beats. I send it, hey man, thanks, here's the finished product. And it's just not what you envisioned. Like, it, it, does that irk you at all? It does until I have to pay my bills. Right. So, um, it, 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 yeah. <laughs> like, I mean, yeah, before I used to not even like play certain beats with certain people. And like, I had not bad experiences, but like close bad experiences. Right. But that's where that mentality comes in so good. The one I just mentioned of like, yo, because I'll be like, I'll sell beats to some dude. I'm like, 
fuck, I love that beat. Right. Yeah. Yes, it, it happens, but I just remind myself, bro, you think you can't make another beat like that? Come on. That's Why are you acting like this? So like, you got to... So, so you brought that up too, right? Like, like your ego pride with all this stuff too. How does it feel if or like when uh, like artists that you've worked with go to another producer for certain things? Does that like piss you off or you're like, all right, like I get it. Not really anymore. Um, it used to. I mean, bro, I, I grew, grew up in a small town and I started making beats and selling them in a small town. When I was set, bro, I was like, when I first started selling beats, I was selling beats for like, 50 bucks 75 bucks like whatever because i just wanted to be able to be like i sold that and it's legit cool. yeah but you know there was uh and that's like exclusively too it's not even leasing like leasing whatever i have beats set aside that i'm like all right these are not th they're not throwaways but like once they're on my site for leasing like i they don't exist to me anymore mm -hmm. um but like yeah i definitely had times where like I, you know, I'd tell a rapper one thing about a price and then another dude was telling him half the price because mm. he found out what my price was. Right. Mm. And that was just small town bullshit. Now it's just like, you know, you know you're always going to be like, man, I would like if it's a, if it's an artist you really wanted to work with, man, I wish I worked with that person. But no, like I'm not, to be honest, I'm not. When I need to be an asshole, I, I can do that. But, like, that is very rare. So, like, people don't – I don't really get a lot of that because I show people so much love. You know what I mean? Now, can you go through the explanation of the different – because um, our producer, Evo, he, he puts beats on for lease as well. Um, can you Ooh, just yeah. explain really quick? Because I bought in lease uh, – I bought beats before with leases. Um, yeah, and, and I love it. It's, right. it's a fucking dope thing. And because it's, it's kind of like – Right, and it's kind of like it, it's still yours. I could use it, but if it blows up, hey, that's good for you. You know what I mean? Yeah, no. Everybody, everybody wins off of it, and that's why I was saying like the one like for me like if someone let's say someone comes to me for for beats, I'm like, what are you looking for? What's your budget? Like I already have my rates, but I want to know like what direction to shoot them in. Like, are you medium serious? Are you just trying or with these? Are you just trying to like get something out on Instagram? Or are you, like, doing a single that you're going to push on the radio or, like, you're doing your debut album? Because then it's like, all right, cool, I'm going to send you my exclusives, tell you my pricing, the bulk pricing, all that. But then, you know, with leasing, it's like, all right, cool. But you can still put this stuff on albums. Mm -hmm. it, it also depends on, like, what the restrictions are. Like, I have my $25 lease. You know, people um, will normally get that, like, if they're writing or if it's just something for promo or a mixtape. And then, like, I have, I have this group from back home. They, they, uh, well, they did, like, the, the cheap lease and the $25 lease for, like, 10 or 15 beats. And then they recorded to all of them. And then they were like, all right, yo, we're making this project serious. It's all you. We're going to do the unlimited lease on all of them now. We're going to upgrade our shit. So they did that so they could get the track outs. And they didn't have any, um, you know, any issues with with uh, streaming stuff like that with the with the numbers like uh, the twenty five dollar you get this um, the what is that? I think I have like a seventy five dollar one you get you know it's like five times the amount of streams for the limit and then the unlimited for me I think you know if you're an artist a great way to do it is like all right get the get the two track lease and then when you're about to drop it. And like, if you're, if you're really putting out a whole project, you right. know, and then get 
if leasing is your thing. And then get like the unlimited one because you have no, you'll never have an issue with that. The producer's getting his money. You're getting your money. All of BMI is squared away, but you have the trackouts. And it's like you're getting exclusive, but there might be another rapper out there. There will be another rapper out there that's, you know, rapped on that beat. And that's really right. the only difference. So that's, with that, that's really the only difference is like my exclusives, nobody's ever fucking recorded on those. With the leases, there's it's all the different categories and you can still get it like you're getting an exclusive if you want to pay top dollar for your lease, but other artists have had it. And like with, on the producer standpoint, like I can sell that beat to as many right. artists as I want. I can keep making money. Sometimes you make more money doing the lease versus exclusive yeah. depending on how popular the track is um so i think it's been great having a little bit of both you know but, but I, mean? I gotta ask so like all right i recently bought a lease from a west coast uh, beat maker um and i made a song on it so yeah you're right other artists have probably rapped on it now if that song specifically that specific song blows up you were saying the artist in that sense since he knows it's going somewhere would be better off now contacting them hey let's purchase the exclusive and we'll split yes. 50 or whatever exactly so okay. you would either it depends it also is a personal preference like you could be like all right this is gonna blow up i'm gonna get the exclusive or i'm gonna get the uh the unlimited the unlimited is fine but he has to keep it on his website you know what i mean he yeah, can yeah. still keep selling that um if you get the exclusive you know i gotta take it down other artists still have that if they already purchased it prior to you. But as soon as you get that exclusive, that beat goes off. And that's then, a, like, go ahead. No, that's amazing how much, like, in-depth goes into the beat yeah. selling and yeah. making processes. Oh, it's wild. <laughs> you know, yo, you know what's funny? One time, then this was a long time ago, but um, I had leased the, the beat that Trap Queen is on. Yeah, see, that's how crazy it is. Bro, that shit was on SoundClick on a page, and I clicked it, and I'm listening to it, and I'm like, yo, this would be such a good song. I never did anything with it. I literally still have it on my laptop. And, I'm like, it's got, right the guy, it's got the DJ's, like, um, like name in the beginning of it and everything. Yeah, I got the, and then, the tag. Yo, and, the, and then when that song actually came out, like, when I heard it come on the radio, I was like, Yo, this sounds so familiar. <laughs> I was like, Yo, that fuck? shit is fucking wild. Yo, because I've wondered that. Like, I've never heard someone having that story, and I know that that story is out there. You know what I mean? Yep. That story is definitely out there. Hey, um, how, do you, how do you go about pricing your beats? Like, it, like if you're, it's like this tier, it's like one. this. This one's really good, but like to you, it might they're be all the same. Okay, they're all the same. Oh, okay. But pricing beats is hard, though. Does it go more by the artist? Like, let's say, I'm just throwing two names out here. Let's say someone who's a SoundClick artist wants a beat, and then uh, someone like Self-Titled or Apathy wants a beat. I'm assuming the prices are different. Yeah, yeah, no, the yeah. prices are definitely different. And if, okay. like, it's, all right, so say, like, if, you're get, if you get a, uh, which I haven't, but I know, you know, my circle, all that type of shit, I've seen all of that. Like, say if you get, like, uh, if you get a, a major label placement, bro, you're selling that exclusive for way more than you would be able to really okay. ever sell it unless it – because those people, have, they have a budget. They're not specifically right. paying for it. It comes out of their pocket in the end because it's, it's part of their own budget. But, like, 
there's going to be a lawyer involved. There's going to be a contract sent to you. A lot of times, a lot of times, uh, they set the price, and it's just going to be a high price. And then sometimes it might not be. Say it's an indie, uh, maybe it's a big artist, but it's an indie label, and you're like, "Yo, bro, I just need to be relevant right now." You might just yeah. want to try to figure out how to make it work. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And like for me, I'm like. I, I'm always like, I guess, I don't know if I want to say I'm always up for negotiation because that sounds bad, but in the same sense, like, yo, if I tell somebody my top price, like any, like really anybody, and they're like, no, but what about, I'm going to keep talking to them. But there's a lot of yeah. artists out there that they, they hear the price, like they hear my price and then they're just fucking gone. And they're like, what? And I'll be like, yo, so what, what was it? Like, was it the price? And they're like, yeah. I'm like, so why didn't you say anything? Or like, why not just get a lease? Like, why did you end the conversation? Like, you should, you should be ending the conversation. Like, yes, we all deserve our money. Me, I pay my bills, all that shit, solely off of, off of music, right. off, of, mm -hmm. off of beats, studio, whatever it is, you know, putting music out. But in the same sense, if you're going to haggle someone a little bit, you know, it is what it is. But yeah, like point blank to answer that question, like yeah, a top, a bigger artist, a bigger artist is either gonna, uh, you know, it depends. If you want your name out there, you might not do too much. But for the most part, you're gonna get more money from someone that's established, and then mm -hmm. from somebody that's not, you know, you're gonna get your regular fee. Or if you're like super low and you're like, all right, whatever, I want to help this dude out. Like he negotiated, he doesn't have a lot of lot in his budget. Cool. And right there, I that's like every situation. You so know with, mm -hmm. and then with the leasing stuff, like too. So say like the hypothetical, somebody does get big with it. Do you disclose what other artists have that beat as well, or like it's just um, it's out there? I never thought about that. I never thought about that. Hey, Dan gets smarter when he puts his. No, yeah, <laughs> I respect that. I like that. Um, there was a situation too, and I had to like reach out to somebody because I have friends that make like fucking ten thousand dollars a month off of just leasing beats, oh, and it's shit. insane. And like for me, like I would love to just have like generating a lot of money or whatever, just a steady with just the leases, the leases. Cause then I wouldn't have to sell to whoever. And you know, you, you can just focus on making your music. You don't have to focus on it. Yo, I got to sell a beat this week. Hmm. But anyways, I had, uh, there, there was these dudes that got uh, a bunch. I told you before, it was the same dudes. They got a bunch of the two track, the MP. No, I don't, I don't even do MP3s. I hate that bullshit. <laughs> two track of nah it's fucking whack uh, uh, dude get a fucking uh, mp3 with a tag nah bro i don't put tags on my shit and you get a wave because i don't know it's weird <laughs> but um so they got the two tracks and then they were like all right cool we are ready to like mix now we want to do uh the unlimited ones and one of them was not on my website before anymore because somebody else went ahead and bought uh, 10 exclusives off off of, which was weird. I sent them my exclusive folder because I have like, uh, I use Box, which is like, um, it's like uh, Google like, Drive yeah. or like Dropbox, but it's, I don't know, it's a new thing that I like. 
Anyways, uh, he decided to buy the exclusives off the website that I leased. And I was like, all right, I have no issue with that. Like, I've already made money off of all these beats. And the guys that wanted to upgrade their leases couldn't find one of the beats because it got bought out exclusively. And I had to reach out, like, well, who wants to be a millionaire or whatever. You reach out for the phone call and um, ask a friend, right? Um, and he was like, yeah, you can still upgrade. So even like even though someone got it, it's not a new customer, but that person was able to upgrade to get the stems, which I was like mind blown and so happy for this person to do that. So yeah. How'd you how'd you meet up with static? Man, um so I'm out with static. So he went to high school in New Hampshire about twenty minutes, maybe a half hour from where I grew up. Like, he's originally from Lawrence, Methuen area in Mass. And uh, which like, by, it's, like, right outside of Boston. It's, a, you know, term lives there. Um, and uh, so we had mutual friends. I mean, they were all older than me. Um, but, like, his high school dude, the dudes he hung out with in high school and, like, some of the first people he ever started doing hip-hop with. And they were some of the last people that I ever started doing. Then I started doing hip hop with in New Hampshire when I was there. Um, and they were like, you know, static. And these dudes like made it so there was a scene, a hip hop scene in New Hampshire, which you would not think that, but right. there's actually a pretty big scene um, out there. Not saying that people are popping or whatever, but there's people there doing their thing. Um, I did music full time for a living for like a year before I moved to New York. But anyways, you know, why, why would I not reach out to him? Um, you know, we both are DJ producers. You know, we, he moved from New Hampshire to Boston to New York. I was like, fuck it. I'm going to skip Boston. Um, I just really, that was because I, I delayed pulling the trigger on moving for so long. Um, so I hit him up and, you know, I, I just asked him, for advice and it's it makes me laugh every time because it's like he said go something along the lines of go to as many shows as possible there's plenty of people that want beats hmm. or buy beats or whatever and i was like me i was like panicking moving to a fucking new city like why couldn't you like give me a spreadsheet of how to do this like <laughs> and what he said was completely true. He's like a man of few words or whatever. And he wants you to figure it out. It's more like a father relationship in that situation. Like he's like, go do this. And then you're going to like figure out how to do it and like how to fail a bunch of times. And then you'll be like, fuck, you were right. Okay, I get it. Now I know what you're saying. Um, so I moved out there. I started like Googling and like searching on Facebook for events and just trash was coming up but i was still going to them and i was like telling him that i was going to them and then like asking him what's like every day or like i think i think at one point i was like nervous to like even hit him up i'm like what's happening tonight and then like two days later yo what's happening tonight and then, like three days later like waiting what's happening tonight and then he would tell me and then he like i remember he put me on a list somewhere and i was like what he just put me on a list in new york this is lit and, um, like, I remember going there. I don't know if, like, I was just too nervous to even, like, go hang out with them. But I was, like, trying to play it cool so bad. And 
honestly, I think it was for the best because shit just kind of happened organically. You know, I ended up going to his studio with an artist that I knew, and then, like, him just being like, oh, here's my number. Stop DMing me, bro. That shit's whack. <laughs> like, I'm like, oh, sweet. He gave it to me. Awesome. <laughs> and, like, just, just over time. And then all of a sudden, I'm fucking driving him around to big meetings and shows and, like, to his gigs and, like, setting stuff up and, like, sitting in a chair like this, watching him make beats, like, every fucking day of the week, bro. Like, it went from, you know, I had to get a job right when I moved to New York to being, like, yo, Static, my boy Nige, like, telling both of them separately, like, yo, I'm going to fucking quit my job. Fuck this. Like, I'm wasting mad time. I was – because I had a conversation with a friend in Alcoholics Anonymous, and he broke down how many hours I spent a week going to and from work and being at work. Mm -hmm. And he was like, don't you think if you just had one week and you took that amount of hours that you could, like, figure out how to do this shit? I was like, okay. Wow. I was like, that's a lot of fucking hours, bro. That's 50 hours trying to figure out how to make some money off of someone, something that I've already made money off of. Yeah. So I, I quit my job. Nothing in the pipeline either. Wow. And how, how scary was that? Oh, it's fucking terrifying, bro. <laughs> Are you kidding me? I will say it. Uh, most people won't. Some people will, but most people won't say it, bro. Right. You know, I was on fucking edge all the time. I wasn't ready to quit a job, but I made the shit happen. That's the thing. It was like, are you going to take the risk? I took the risk of going to New York. Why the fuck am I wasting my time doing this? I was working a job where I was, bro, the first job, I was told I was going to make this much money. I didn't make that much money. I was dwindling my savings down, and I wasn't sleeping at night. Because I would, I would get up for work, leave my crib at 7.30 in the morning, get out of work at 6, mm. go, go home, maybe take a shower, or go right to the, the lab. I'd go chill with static, then we'd go do something, or we'd chill. Most of the time, we'd go do something, go to some crazy fucking event. And then I'd get home at like 4, 3, 4, 5 in the morning. Sometimes I'd just go straight to work. And I did that for like six months straight, bro. I was losing, I, I was losing weight. I wasn't go, I wasn't getting a haircut. I was, <laughs> I had crazy bag, bags under my eyes. The woman that I was dating, I'm not with her anymore. But the woman I was dating at the time was like, fucking terrified that I was gonna like die from like, you know, right. not eating, sleeping, yeah. or whatever. And I was like, bro, I was completely fucking broke. I'm like, we'd be going somewhere and. Everyone would want to get food. I'm like, fuck, bro. I got like 40 bucks to my name. Right. I got like a quarter <laughs> tank of gas. I don't know how I'm going to pay fucking bills. All right, cool, whatever. Jesus um, Christ. I, like, one of the homies would pay for me to get some food. Static always showed me love. Um, or like, I would just do that and just figure it out. Was it like a big like culture shock coming from like Maine and New Hampshire? Like, what was that like? like how long did that take you to get like you said? Like, That's a great question. Yeah, man. bro, that? Like, that shit was crazy. Yo, but the thing is, it's like 
I already, not like, oh, I was fucking made for this shit or whatever, because, like, I don't know who is. Like, no one knows. Hmm. But, like, my mind is, like, really fast. I'm normally, like, a really chill dude, but, like, I'll be having a mature, very laid-back conversation with you, but I have, like, 30 thoughts going on at once. So, like the thrill of New York city was almost like calming to me because it was like, I was like, it was like, if you give an upper to a kid that has ADHD, you're giving them Ritalin, it's bringing them down. So I'm like able to do all this crazy stuff. And like, my mind's not shutting off when I'm trying to tell it to shut off. Normally I'm just fucking doing it. And I'm like, bro, I can have any kind of food I want anytime. Like, I'm chilling with legends right now, bro. Like, it was fucking crazy. Especially, bro, you got to think about this, too. Like, within a couple months, um, I'm chilling with show-off every night of the week. So it wasn't like, oh, I came to New York and I like, had the normal New York fucking experience. No, bro. We're getting on, like, people that I met right away, and then all of a sudden, a month later, they're like, yo, how the fuck are you getting backstage? And, like, what are you doing? Mm-hmm. it's like you already and, had that like pent up energy that like you were just able to like use yeah, right away okay. exactly I was able and I was telling Static and Detroit about that the other night like you know New York will eat people up and I was like oh I felt like my mind was like made for this shit and mm-hmm. it was like but it I wasn't sharp right away I wasn't like on it like I, there was shit that I had to catch on to there was just you know fashion sense like when to do this, when not to do this, shit like that. And there was a lot of trial and error. There was a lot of getting used to stuff. And it was really fucking intense, bro. It was a, it was a tough experience. And it was like everything that I need and still need to this day. You know? So when you wish someone a good morning the first time and they told you to go fuck that yourself, <laughs> were you like in shock? Oh, I was like, yeah, shit, <laughs> Piss on the sidewalk, yo! For the first time, yo, pissing on the sidewalk like in Times Square felt amazing. (laughs) What is like eating the best pizza at like three or four in the morning and just like chilling and like looking at the fucking lights or like how the fuck, dude, it's six in the morning and I'm like we're just chilling at this like dope after hours spot and just like. Sometimes, yo, you're freaking out. You're freaking out about money. You're doing this. You're doing that. But then you, like, hit a brick wall. You might be going over a bridge. Or, like, there were, like I used to live in Flatbush, and I would go on the BQE, and I would see Manhattan right by Dumbo. You see all the tall buildings. Mm-hmm. And I'm just like, yo, there's so much shit going on in those buildings. Like, there's so many people up to something. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I came from a place where it was like, yo, get a job. Like... You got to be settled down by the time you're, like, 32, shit like that. And I'm just like, yo, like, real shit is happening out here. Yeah, you get to piss on the and sidewalk. You get to <laughs> fucking piss on the sidewalk. <laughs> this shit is lit. I went, to one, I went to one strip club before I ever moved to New York. That changed. <laughs> hey, uh, you mentioned, uh, you brought it up, you mentioned AA. Um how, yeah. how did that come about? I mean, did you get to a point? I mean, if you want to get into what were you on, what did you wake up and realize, all right, I definitely need to, uh, you know, do something? Like, how, how? Yeah, go start from how where. Much, 
How, where did it start from your drug dealer with also, the AK-47? How, what's, what's it, like, how long is the podcast? What doesn't matter. It doesn't oh, matter. Man, as long as... For fucking four hours. <laughs> <laughs> nah, we can't be doing this. Um, I'll try, I'll try to be short. Um, yeah, so, like, I was always a fucking asshole when I was a kid. That's okay. how it started. I was like, you know Dennis the Menace? Yeah. So my real name is Jonas. They used to call me Jonas the Bonus because <laughs> sounds awesome. lit now, that's right? Awesome. Like a that was big the best. Dick. That, that should have been your producer name. Yeah. Yo. <laughs> like, yo, but they came up with that because they had to find something close to Dennis the Menace. They were like, this kid is so... I was, I was like two-faced. I would like help the old lady like shovel her driveway, but then I'd throw a rock through someone's fucking window and like show, like give like a porno magazine to like the younger kid. Like, just, like I thought you were going to say throw a rock through the old lady's window after you... <laughs> nah, I always respected old ladies and like people with... A, nah, not authority. How did, how did you come about giving... Like, the porn to younger kids, like, did they ask for it, or you just walked no, up? I found it, and no, I was just like, yo, you were the same age when I got my first porn magazine, here you go. And, like, apparently I was very early with that shit. Yeah. But, All right. yeah, anyways, I can't let you grab that out of the other shit. Anyways, so I was always a punk kid. I was, like, stealing out of, out of like, whatever, candy shops and, like, smoking fake cigarettes when I was, like, 10. <laughs> I was getting in trouble. I got picked up by the cops for the first time when I was, like, 13. I got, like, arrested and almost – and, like, was about to face, like, really serious, serious charges and, like, be taken away to the state, like, belong to the state or junior mm-hmm. when I was 14. And, like, I was told that I – fit a description and like I was in the wrong place at the wrong time but I had all the correct things on me mm. and like at that at that point in time that was like a badge of honor I was like yo I fucking made it so like all my also mind you I never went to school I was, I was homeschooled till I was 16 oh wow so like that that age thing was never really there for me so like I was 13 my friends were like late teens early 20s, mid-20s, up to, like, 35. Because there was a place we would all congregate. It was, like, a bunch of, like, transients, hippies, thugged-out kids, hacky-sack drug addicts. And it was, this was, like, before. It's the same shit that happened, it ha- happened to Brooklyn. It got gentrified back home where I was. It was, like, an old-school biker sailor town with a bunch of hoodlums, and now it's all yuppies. Mm. But, like, I just, you know, I almost got framed for, like, attempted murder when I was 14. Holy shit. And, like, I had nothing to do with anything. But I was fit a description, and I was hung out with the wrong people. I was, like, being questioned by detectives and shit like that. And then, like, I didn't get in trouble for, like, a year, and it was, like, a celebration for my family. And then something happened when I was 16, and I found hard drugs, and it was like a super rap after that. I was doing like a deadly amount of narcotics of any type of narc, whatever it was, a pretty much a deadly amount or a deadly concoction like every day of the week. Hmm. And, you know, I got more charges. One of my best friends almost died. He's handicapped for the rest of his life because of me. Like, 
I went through there, like I was responsible for a lot of crazy shit. Um, and I just spiraled. Thank, like it sucks, but thank God I spiraled so fast. Right. Um, like by the, you know, by the time I was 17, you know, I got arrested eight times. Um, I had been to two rehabs, broken out of one, kicked out of another one, gone to juvie for a week, uh, was on the run um, in two different states. Um, one state, I had three cases running concurrent, um, and one of them, uh, there was a detective trying to make a, uh, trying to make an example out of me. And he wanted to try to give me 45 to 50 burglary charges. And um, that was in Maine. Because the last time, last time, not, last time I ever used, the last time I ever used a, uh, a drug was in jail. The last time I ever drank alcohol, I got drunk. I blacked out on my mother's birthday. I got kicked out of a trailer park. I broke into a sh every car in that trailer park. And I stole a car in Maine. And I woke up going 120 on the highway in another state in New Hampshire. Hold up. I you were blacked out while driving? I was blacked out while oh. driving. Wow. And I woke up going in and out of traffic over, like, like I said, 125. I remember going like this and seeing around 125 on the speedometer. And I was going to – this is the crazy shit. This is why I believe in higher power. Because I was going to a place that I never went. I never – I always talk shit about this town. I didn't fuck with the town. I didn't know too many people around there. I was, like, driving just to drive, and I was super suicidal at the time, too. It was, like, a very dark place. Um, uh, I went off the road, and then I woke up back on the road. Um, and then – this should paint the picture is that I crashed into a tree going over a hundred miles an hour on a straight road. Hmm. So I was all, I was on a road to destruction completely. Um, and I crawled out of that car while I was on fire. My and you're, I, you're still totally fine from that too, right? Like you I'm look like you're completely like completely fine. Wow. I I was I was completely fine within four days. Within four days, I was looked like nothing happened. Right, my mugshot. I had blood all over my face. I got put in jail on fucking crutches for the first time. All that shit. Mm -hmm. It's because I was drunk. Yeah, I was gonna say. Yeah, one you're of the relaxed. Yeah, exactly. You don't tense up when you're about to hit. You don't. You don't tense up. But I like. I kicked my. I kicked the fucking shit open. Like I literally, the car was on fire. This is, this is the, uh, this is the dashboard of the steering wheel. It was like here. And I got out of it and the EMTs caught me. Like, I don't know how far away from the car, but I was trying to flee. I was literally crawling away. I couldn't fucking walk. And, um, yeah, and I got booked and, and that's what, uh, what got that detective I mentioned. He, um, he he saw a pattern that I had been doing with cars and shit, and he was from Maine, scooped me up after I got arrested and was in the hospital. I was in the hospital all fucking night. I don't remember any of it. Mm. 
Damn. I was awake the entire time. I woke up because they said the word catheter. <laughs> I woke up out of a blackout. They said catheter, and I ripped everything nope. off. And I tried to run out of the hospital. And, uh, yeah, and that just, like, that started me on a journey. Well, that, like you said, like, it, it's good that it happened at a young age that, like, you were able yeah. to turn your life around, man. Because a lot of people that we, like, have talked to about this stuff, it happened while they were on the way to making it big and stuff when they were like on the road traveling and everything already. Like yeah. they could have blown up themselves then, but like you did it early and now you've totally turned it I've around. Seen, I've seen a horror show. I've seen people at 50 talk to their kid for the first time. <sighs> you know what I mean? I've seen being in Alcoholics Anonymous, you've seen a lot of fucking crazy shit. And like, I'm very lucky. And what happens to me, what happened to me is very rare. It doesn't happen a lot. Um, I was on a road where, professionals were telling my parents, say goodbye to your kid before he turns 20. Jeez. Like, I can't do shit for your kid. Because yeah. I would they, I would go, every time a professional would see me, I'd be fucking strung out on coke or pills or whatever. Now, how much, uh, Nev, I have to say, like, I appreciate you opening up about that so much. Like that I'm is, very transparent with this. Yeah, man, that's, that's a wild story. Um, how, how much do you think, I don't know if, if any did, but, like, maybe – do you think, like, you were a little uh, different just because you were homeschooled till 16? How different was that than being in school, you know? I could say that, but, like, my brother and sister, I, I could, and I've always said, like, yo, what would have happened if I was in school? I could have either, because this is the thing, my mom always had, like, extracurricular activities for me. I always, I was homeschooled, but, like, he, she had me doing so much other shit. She always had me around other kids. I had best friends growing up. Like we, there was a lot of structure going on. I had responsibilities. I, you know, I, I was probably, I was like making money by doing chores. And then like, I was, a, I had like a dog walking job by, like that I created by the time I was like 11 years old. Like I always had something going on. And my brother and sister, they're fucking straight A students and they never got arrested, never did all, any of the shit that I did, even close to it. And they were both homeschooled. So it's, it's really a, it's a hit or miss and it sucks because I talk to parents. I've talked to parents a lot, you know what I mean? Because it's like, my parents were super loving to me. My parents did not drink or use drugs or anything. Like, I, I never. I never saw them get high or drunk before. I have to ask. Recently. Sorry, I have to ask, like, because I know that you're a new new father, right? Congratulations, by the way. Thank you. Yeah. Um, you see the, the... Yeah. So, <laughs> so, like, what you? Thank you. Like, if you even want to touch on, like, you having like a newborn, like, how wild is that to think, like, you know, you could have missed it. You know what I mean? Like, you're so grateful that, like, and you, oh, maybe that's right. I have I have a new life that was, you know. You know, I try to, my girl hates it when I say it, but, like, I live on borrowed time. Mm. You know what I mean? Like, I wasn't supposed to be here. There was so many fucking times where I was knocking on death's door many ways. Or, like, bro, before all that shit happened, like, I was weighing out what I was, what my future was going to look like, and I was like, I didn't have the balls to and end it myself like i thought about it i obsessed about it i didn't you know i crashed the car because i was blacked out you mm. know what i mean well i was like i'm either gonna keep doing these crazy concoctions of drugs until one day i just overdose and i die 
or I'm going to be in jail for the rest of my life. Or, um, I forget what, see, this is the thing, it's like, it's talking about a different person, that's why I'm so okay with it. It was like, yeah, die from drugs, and, oh yeah, die from drugs, jail, or end it myself. So that was, that was, that was what I thought my options were, and I had no clue that there was, that was before I found out what AA was, any of that. Um, so at in the end of all that shit, I got kicked out. It was a lot of like weird shit that like happened. Very like you only could tell it was, was supposed to happen until after. Like it was very like I. It was like I wasn't running the show anymore. I would like have a tantrum here out of nowhere, and then it would land me here. Or this would happen and it would land me there. I go here, and then like I ended up. I ended up doing a, a program in a jail in New Hampshire. That was like, it was a federally funded uh, program. And it was, you know, it was really bad motherfuckers in there. But it was like a boot camp and a rehab behind bars. Mm. You know, you get up five five 5.30, in front of your bed, dressed, beds made for inspection by 5.35. Um, and like, you're at it until 8 p.m. every day for three months. And I did that program. I got out. I was still facing all those fucking burglary charges in Maine. But I was like, I I found a higher power and I found a want to live. And I got sober and I started going to fucking two, three meetings a day. I was like, became the fucking poster child of AA. I started speaking at high schools, colleges. Like I was... You know, people trusted me. I got my family back. Um, and, you know, I got a job. I just, like, created a whole new fucking life. And at still at that time, I was facing all those charges. Mm. I didn't get all the – obviously, I didn't get all those charges. I would still be in prison right now. Damn. There was a, and there was a lot of other shit that happened there, too. The detective got kicked off the force. His soon-to-be ex-wife at the time got caught selling oxycontins out of the preschool she owned. Like there was a lot of yo, there was a lot of crazy shit that happened. Yeah, that's uh, wow. <laughs> yeah, so like that all happened, and the biggest thing that happened too was like, yo, when you really are doing the right thing, like shit, like actually, not just like being a good person, but like really doing the right thing. They really actually see that. Because you could be like, yeah, I'm clean, I'm sober, like, I'm good, I got my life checked. I got there, and I was like, yo, I have proof of, like, hundreds of meetings. I have, like, an extensive, a whole book of fucking letters. I have mad people in court with me right now. Like, all this. I was like, yo, mom, bye, I'm out. I'm going to prison. I already know this. But I still was like, here, check this out. The Detective never showed up for court that day. And the judge and the DA and the prosecutor all were like, who the fuck is this guy? I don't even know who this person is anymore. The system actually worked. Mm. The system's not supposed to work the way it's built. And they know that, and they've seen it mad times, but they saw a kid actually change. Mm. And I left that place with fucking community service, some fines, and... um a speech from all three of them about oh. that. That's like what they fucking live for. That's awesome. Let me, let me ask you this. Now you said the system is not supposed to work. And I definitely agree with you on that. 
but in your case, it did work for you. Now, do you think it's more because of you as an individual saying like, I'm going to take this initiative and I'm going to take uh, advantage of these programs that they have in here? Or is it more uh, people's lack of responsibility for themselves when they do go to prison? Because these programs, like you said, are there. But are people yeah, just... There's a lot of resources. But by the time you get to that shit, mm -hmm. nah, bro. Like, I'll tell you one thing right now, and this is, this is crazy because of what's going on right now. When you go to AA, for the most part, like the only time I've ever been the minority being a white person is when I went to an AA meeting in the Bronx. For the most part, it's been ingrained... And I, I almost can't believe I'm saying this, but uh, there's a lot of people that get caught up in the system. A lot of minorities get caught up in the system. And there's this pride thing that I saw. And not even just minorities, just people that are coming from, coming from the street, that are getting locked up. And there's been this cycle for so fucking long. Mm -hmm. So by the time you get, bro, by the time that you get, to a rehab or something that's going to help you you've had this motherfucker in the back of your head and this system rotating and just making it almost impossible for you you mm -hmm. know what i mean yeah it's like you've created your own belief system that it's not gonna work yeah from the lack of opportunity in certain places to live because i grew up in a very like you know a decent fucking town like i grew up in a good town loving parents this and that, all that. Um, but, like, there's a lot of shit where it's like, oh, no, it's, I'm not an alcoholic. I just like street life. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? And that comes with being institutionalized. I've seen a lot of people being institutionalized. I'm the only person from that group of men that was in that program that either survived, didn't go into jail, or stayed sober. Mm -hmm. So, for me... I think like I was, I'm the only pretty much survivor from that. If you count all the other things for me, I think it was a divine intervention to be honest with you. But I was also so desperate at that point. Like I walked into that place. I was going to bullshit them. I knew about AA. I knew about this. I knew how the lingo I could, I could bullshit them. Um, and they called it right away. And I was like, all right, cool. I'll just give into it. And something fucking changed. You know what I mean? I, I was willing enough because I was so miserable. I was mm. willing enough to actually change. Mm. Do, do you still struggle with, with addiction in the sense where it's like you still want it? Or you just know you don't even look back? Like if you see somebody with a beer or, you know, a blunt or weed or something like that, do you look at it like, damn, I want that? Or you just completely just know you're better off? No, I'll be completely, because I've been transparent the whole time. Um, it's not, oh, I want that. And it's not, I don't get, I don't have that obsession. For me, the obsession got relieved within the first month and a half. And that was, I started praying and I started doing the right shit. That's why I think there's a big divine intervention, because for me, I don't know how not to think about getting fucked up and stealing my friend's money that I'm best friends with and going to smoke a fucking eight ball of crack. Like, I don't know how to not do that. 
like that's ingrained that was ingrained in me and just stuck there um but no if something comes up like that it's more so like a slight thought that passes it's like man i wish i could smoke some bud mm-hmm. like the, the weed now is crazy or like man i never like i never had a legal drink Wow. I got I got sober a month before I turned eighteen. Holy shit. Wow. Have you ever thought about like telling your story to, to young kids that maybe be struggling with the same thing? I have and I've done that. Um okay. and I started this whole thing and then you know, what I moved, I had a different job, now I'm in a big city. Um I've talked to other people about it. It's just, you know, now I have a career going on. Um, I call it youth helping youth because um, what I saw was a lot of like, you know, you go see Dale, whatever, it's a cop or it's an old guy. Maybe they might have someone from AA, but it's like an older dude where, you know, in AA you're supposed to identify and not relate, but like when you're not in AA or like you're not even close to that, you just try to relate or you can't identify. Like you can't even, dude, you're on your fucking phone. You're talking to some chick, you're whatever. Because you don't care about that person speaking. But when I would go up to this, like I used to speak at this one high school that was like really, really bad. Um, and, uh, you know, they'd be like, what? Dude, I was like 18, 19 years old talking to kids that are like 16, 17. So they are way more willing right. to open up. Mm-hmm. Now I can still do it. You know, I'm about to turn 30. But, like, I can still do that because I can be like, bruh, I'm 16. I was, you know, I was that age. I got sober at that stage. Like, I can always, no matter how old I am, I can always use that. Like, I might have to work a little harder because I have a beard now and I don't look as young and shit like that. But I can still be like, dude, I was literally in your situation. You know what I mean? Where they can't, they can't relate to the man or woman that lost their husband or wife in a divorce are you fucking kidding me great when i heard that you know what i said awesome i have fucking 15 more years to get high mm, you're right that, that literally solidified that i got mad i got a long time i don't even have to fuck my parents uh, they don't they don't need you know they don't need to get on me about this i'm good people don't people don't quit until later on f i like that i mean shit we touched on hip hop and this that, wow! Like that is insane. Uh, like stories, which I appreciate. Um, before we get into our final segment here, if you guys don't have any other questions, we like that. I know we got really serious, so at the end we like to have a little fun. Yeah, my bad for the series. No, no, no bro, bro, it was amazing. Like I love, I just love talking to people. We love getting. Yeah. Can we get back into hip hop. I'm down. Yeah. No, no, no. Yeah. It's, it's fun. It's lit. Like, Dan, did you have one more question? Oh, uh, yeah. So so the last one is, and I always find it interesting, how do you f- pick Neff as your right. oh, man. I don't know. This is, it's, it's weird, right? So my question is, what do you think of? Anything? Like, are you just like, what the fuck? That's a weird name. I, that's, uh, I, think, I think true exact's weird. I think everything's weird. It's sold <laughs> or whatever else is it. I think, it's a, I think it's a unique name, especially for anyone. Pretty who, unique motherfucker. Exactly. That's what I'm saying, though. But like, being an artist, being a DJ, no matter what it is you do, you have to have something that that shows who you are and it stands out. Yeah, yeah. So uh, it's I rebranded. 
It was pretty. It was very, very unique. It used to be DJ Nefarious or Nefarious, and I was like, man, this is going to be a little much. Like, this is like I wanted to like be like that weird. Like, what does that mean? Well, you got to look it up in the dictionary. Like, I wanted. I also wanted something that had substance to it. And I was. <laughs> yeah, something very deep. Like I've always purpose and meaning with life and everything. Mm-hmm. Always been a thinker. Um, and then you know I moved to New York. Everyone's got a cool name. I was like, damn. And then Static and one of the homies, Nigel, sat me down, and they were just like, bro, nah, <laughs> nah. <laughs> like you got to do something. And I was like, I know. And they thought I was, like, pissed at them. And I was like, no, seriously, bro. Like, I've literally been trying to figure it out. What? And they're like, no, for real? And I was like, no, like, let's do this right now. Like, stop what you're doing. Like, let's just get it done. Let's rip the Band-Aid off. And he was like, bro, everybody calls you Neff already. I was like, that's cool. Because it was true. It was like, yo, that's my boy Neff. Because you don't want to be like, yo, that's nefarious. Like, <laughs> um, <laughs> <laughs> They're like, what? You just called me? Like, yo, saying that shit in the club? <laughs> Nefarious. <laughs> yo, no, yo, you're a furious boy. <laughs> um, so, yeah, we figured it out that, that night. Well, like, literally that night, it was like, yo, people call you Neff. Like, it's catchy. People like it. I was like, I love it. Cool. Let's go with that. And uh, I changed all my handles that night. And just haven't looked back since. Awesome. And the thing is, I hadn't released anything really music-wise since I had gone to New York. Right. So it's almost like I turned an entire leaf. It was like, like perfect timing. Really perfect timing. And, and Static said that night, like, if you're going to do this, bro, you got to do it, like, right fucking now. He's like, you're about to get shit popping. Like, you got to do it now. Mm-hmm. So like, all right, cool. So it kind of, like, left my old self back. And I completely turned a new chapter in New York. Awesome. Nice. Uh, no, that's uh, bro. That was like, uh, bro. I can't even get over like how awesome this was. Like seriously, like you being that open is really cool, man. It means a lot. And like, it, it's just, I mean, that story is wild. Like, I I can't get over it. 120 miles. But anyway, uh, the last segment we like to do is called. Yeah, okay, it Yeah, it's no, it's it's called gun to your head. All right, buddy. It's uh. Oh, it, what's this? It, it, it's fun. No worry. This is I just don't get any kind of questionnaires. No, 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 no. no, no. This is good. This is good. So we Even each ask... Don't worry. I'll draw a blank. We, we each ask two questions, okay? And we do a little wordplay involved since we're sort of a hip-hop podcast. It's not your typical, like, uh, Maps, Globes, Coke, Pepsi. We like to, like, switch it around a bit. So we each ask two questions, and you have to pick your favorite question after you answer them, okay? I think I'm following. Okay. Okay, all right. I'll, I'll go first. I'll, go I'll first. let Eric go first. Ah, uh, I like that. Thank you. Thank you, Eric. <laughs> you know the uh, – have you ever been in New Orleans? You know the little beignets that they have, little treats? I'm from Louisiana, so well, – Okay, all right. There, so, yeah. Would you rather eat a beignet every day or have to wear Ben Gay every day? <laughs> yeah, definitely a beignet. <laughs> okay. Yeah, that's much easier once I said it. Uh, would you rather join the army for one year or army crawl everywhere you go for the rest of your life? <laughs> what? Oh fuck! That sucks because I would. I would. I hate what's going on. I would still join the army for a year. You're joining the army, okay? 
we'll go with Dan. Okay. Would you prefer to live in Maine for the rest of your life or get rid of that Maine on your face? <laughs> oh, this. I get rid. I get rid of it. Okay. <laughs> um, I look tra- sexy. <laughs> Travel by wormhole, but you don't know where you're going, or have a bunch Whoa. of worms digging a hole, and you know where you're going every time. <laughs> Wait, dig a hole? So it's Wait, so like yeah, but like what kind of hole are we talking? About? Like, do I have to like go show the worms? I don't know. Just a bunch of worms digging a hole wherever you want to go, and you just travel wherever you want to. Go to China. Oh, San Diego worms. <laughs> yes. Yeah, I think worms. Right. Take forever. <laughs> Matthew has like a million know. worms. We never said it. I mean, it could just be an yeah. army of worms. Just worms. Yeah, they like could just Trump. dig a hole next to me, and then I'm just like, yo, I'll buy a like a show Trump in the movie Trump. Just jump right in, and there you go. I hate not knowing what's about to happen. I'll go. All right, Neff, for one year, would you rather have a job juicing oranges or only drink orange juice? I would love to drink orange juice. Wait, no food? Yeah, only, yeah. Orange juice. Okay. All right, (laughs) would you rather have a duck tail or have a job tailing ducks? Both up? Yes. Wait, tail, what the fuck is tailing the Like, duck? following them around oh, like a spy. <laughs> following them around like a spy. Oh, bro, I'd blow up on IG doing that. What are you talking about? <laughs> All right. Brian, you're up. <laughs> That's the fucked up. All right. Would you rather have to wear a goose down jacket all year long or go down on a goose? <laughs> goose down jacket. <laughs> Even in the summertime? <laughs> Bro, I can wear that shit on my elbows. <laughs> I'm just like, I'm really high. It's just really low. Yeah. All right. Would you rather fight Iron Man or fight a man who has an iron? <laughs> A man with an iron. <laughs> yeah. Neff, your favorite survival. Neff, your favorite what? question. Who's the winner? Oh shit. Uh, I think the worm won. Dan's yeah. on a roll. Look at Dan. On fire. Three in a row. Best dressed man in the DC land. I don't even remember what happened with Eric. Sorry, buddy. It's all right. That's why you can't go first. You can't go all first. Right. I don't even remember. Oh, I had the best one, but it's fine. Thanks. <laughs> Thanks for coming out, bro. Really appreciate it. Yeah, Thanks man. Thank you for having me. Anything Thank that you want to uh, push for? Oh, yeah. Go plug your stuff. Sorry about that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. So, um, produced by Neff um, everywhere. N-E-F. Produced by Neff. I-G. Um, Facebook, Twitter, um, my IG has the link in my bio. It's just a link tree. So it's literally, if you just go to my IG, the link in my bio, you can see all my music, my beats, my beat store, all that kind of stuff. Sign up for the newsletter for announcements about beats, new merch, new music. Um, right now, me and Dirty Sanchez are about to release. We're aiming for the 27th of this month. Um, 10 track project it's gonna be super dope we did a project last year divine time this one's gonna have a similar sound but just more evolved we got bigger artists on it this time um you know i think we definitely created a fan base from the last one and then i'm also working on 
I'm working on a couple other people's projects right now, but these are the two two that are just really big that I'm pushing. It's the one with Dirty Sanchez, um, um, and uh, and my own. So I'm I don't have a release date on my own project, but I'm pretty fucking close to getting all the features I need. All my production, I got a bunch of people on there. I'll spill the beans a little bit. I got Nims, Razkaz, Rome Streets, Dirty Sanchez, Tech. I got Static on there, Turn. A couple other people, you know, some cronies. Um, And I'm really excited about this. I did one when I first started making beats, and it was fucking bukkake. It was fucking garbage. And it's a new me, it's a new place, new beats, you know, it's going to be dope. Um, yeah, just go check me out on IG, go to the link in my bio, get everything there. Thanks a lot, buddy. I'll be sure to check it out, man. Thanks. Mm-hmm.